I'm your host, David Frost. This is my strategic forecast where you get common sense market analysis. Today is Tuesday, October 8, 2019. We're looking at a daily chart of the SPY or Spider, which is the proxy for the S&P 500. We've got stuff today. We've got a lot of stuff. I've got notes. If we get through half the notes, we're going to be doing just fine. Let's start right out of the chute with the obvious. China is the new Kabuki Theater. At least for the time being, that's what we're going to assign to the China Trade Talks whole Kabuki Theater thing going on. In fact, if you really take a step back, the whole thing is Kabuki Theater. In fact, with Trump as president and everything going on, what we're living in is a reality TV show. The only difference between this reality TV show and a real reality TV show is there's no impact to the individual sitting at home watching. Here, there's an impact going around the horn. Just so we're all on the same page, even though I don't discuss the news, I don't think the market moves directly on the news, we are aware, and I do certainly admit that sparks move the market. Like today, we had the Fed, we had the news hit, with China in terms of us not allowing certain people to travel to China, so there's trade restrictions. Actually, the trade restrictions are for certain people that belong to the Chinese Communist Party. It doesn't allow them to travel to the U.S. There's a reason attached to it. We're not going to get into it here. This isn't a political video. This is a technical analysis video. With that being said, let's get to the technical analysis. So let's take a step back again and let's take a look at the bigger picture, even not so much the bigger picture, but the fractal of the bigger picture. We know about the top. We already know about the bottom at 285. What we're concerned with is, is that bottom going to fall or is this a potential for the trick trap fool and frustrate crew to have put in a B leg of an ABC pattern that will end with price above the high of the A leg. Now, at the end of the day, it was a poor close. We're going to talk more about that when we get to some different charts. But we still can't yet discount that in its entirety. Earlier in the day, it actually looked more promising than it certainly did at the close of the day. However, in the spirit of we have to talk about both sides of the market, we're going to be the umpire, we're still going to recognize the fact that this could be an ABC pattern. So let me draw that out so we have a complete and full understanding of what I'm discussing. So here's the leg of A off the bottom at 285. The B leg would be somewhere in this neighborhood. Now, earlier in the day, it looked like they were going to put in a halfway decent close after being down a lot more earlier in the day. Obviously, we finished on the lows or near the lows. However, that's what was setting up, which is certainly still not its entirety off the table. The C leg would then have a rally higher and complete once above the high of the A leg. We've seen this happen many, many times before. That's what was on the table for the bull case. We have to recognize the bull case. It certainly has, I would say, been diminished at the end of the day but we still have to recognize it nonetheless. What we also need to do is recognize the failure. So A, it was a down day to begin with. The market's gapping down at the open. 
They tried to recover the market. Again, we'll get into more of that when we go down to some of the more intraday charts. But a down day in and of itself didn't necessarily mean they were going to kill the market. There was a gap. They filled the gap. If they happened to close above the low of the breakup candle, that would have been half okay. We talked about that price zone last night. So where does that leave us? It leaves us back to, they made a low at 285. They rallied pretty strongly away from that 285, about 100 S&P handles or 10 SPY points. They reversed and look where we are now. That's a rodeo market in the 80-20 rule camp. This is in the 20%. We discussed it last night. The 20% part is having a 100 S&P point rally in two or two and a half days, giving back 60 or 70 in a day and a half. That's a rodeo, so we need to recognize where we are. Why do we need to recognize it? Because we know we get large swings in both directions when we go into these corrective phases of the market. That's what we're in now. Real quick, we go back to the news for a second. We were looking for a top, We were looking for the market to trade lower. It didn't matter which news item the market picked or the media picked to assign to the reason why the market's trading lower. Sometimes it's the Fed. Sometimes it's China. Tomorrow it could be Iran. It could be anything under the sun. It's out of convenience, not anything that's really ever provable. It's not scientific at all. What we do here is try and add as much science or scientific analysis as possible. We can never really get 100% home, but our objective is to get as close as possible. We know it's part science, part art form. What we're trying to do is take out as much of the art as possible and add as much of the science as possible. We need to find the balance that works, the balance that allows us to take trades as close to risk as possible so we can lose small and fast if we have to and take advantage of the trades that make the most sense based on the probabilities, based on how we teach the foundation of the market and how the market works and how we put time together with price. That's the foundation of the lazy e-mini trader course, period, full stop. Now, what else do we have? What else is there on the bull or the bear case? Well, the bull case is pretty simple. Let's just say for argument's sake, the only thing that begins to get me back to the bullish side, and that would be in a short-term stance, but the bullish side of the market is recapturing the breakup candle low. That's the only thing in my mind right here today as I look at the charts that would get me back in the bull camp. Not a long-term bull camp, but to finish off a potential ABC pattern if they were actually going to do that. Remember, we could wake up to a gap higher. We could wake up to a reversal, not in the market only, but a reversal of tweets. We could wake up to a just kidding about the Chinese delegation or just kidding about the travel restrictions. On the flip side, we can also wake up to the Chinese delegation saying, never mind, we canceled our flight, we'll see you next time. We don't know what's going to happen. That's why we use the news or the media as an entertainment source, but not a source for what we're going to do or any action we're going to take as it relates to the market. We also always want to notice or recognize the fact that 
Trick and Company or Trick Trap Fool and Frustrate Crew could be out in full force. And let's say for argument's sake, a lot of puts were bought in the market during the day today. Maybe at the end of the day, maybe in the middle of the day, maybe in the beginning of the day. Let's just say there's an inordinate amount of puts that were bought in the market today against the norm. How do the guys on the options desks at the big institutions, the hedge funds, the big banks, the big trading desks around the world, how do they make a living? They make a living by screwing over the little guy. They make a living by handing Johnny-come-lately a pie in the face. Now let's be clear, who gets the pie in the face the majority of the time? It's A, the trader that was late to the party, but B, the trader that's trying to use maximum leverage by playing the shorter dated options. If somebody has a November put and the market gaps up in the morning, are they really that hurt by that? Not really. However, if somebody has an option that expires this Friday or next Friday and the market gaps up in the morning, are they going to get hurt? Are they going to get a pie in the face? And the answer is yes. And I've said this before, and I'll continue to say this because I want to drive the point home. The majority of traders that use weekly options that buy a put or buy a call lose on the trade. Not all the time, but it is the 80-20 rule. One of the main reasons why that occurs is because they don't take profit along the way. I also talk about this all the time, and it's also worth spending the time on to drill it into your head. You have to take profit along the way. If you have a position and you're up on the position, whether you take 25% profit four times, or you take half and then you take another half, or you take a quarter and then the rest, or you take thirds, it doesn't really matter how you do it. You have to take profit along the way. If you have 10 calls, take off three, three, and whatever. Take off five. Take off something to book some profit. If you're not doing that as a regular course of business, as a regular practice, I can tell you, again, 80-20 rule, 80% of you will never ever make any real money unless you take profit along the way. If you're always playing for the big score, you'll get it once in a while, but the majority of the time, you don't. Back to the market. Back to the daily chart. What's the thing that opens up the trap door? At this point, the only thing that really opens up the trap door is a close below the low from the third. The low is 284.82. And if we get below, close hourly below, close daily below that price, don't expect the 200 period moving average to be supportive of the market. That's an indication from where I sit that price is going lower yet. Then we start talking back about the 275 that we talked about before when the market was coming down, stopped short, and rallied away. Now here we are again, but you have to break the lows. Not so easy. They're not going to make it easy. However, for the bear case, for the lower prices, you have to break the lows. It's just that simple. And it sounds like I'm being Captain Obvious. Well, of course you have to break the lows to get lower. But that's not really what I'm saying. What I'm saying is you're still likely to have a bull bear fight down there. They're not going to give up the ghost so easy. I'm not the only one that knows the floodgates will open up with a close below that low. The bears want the floodgates to open up. The bulls don't. Let's get a different look for a few moments. Here's an hourly chart. You see the gap down at the open, 
And you see what happened. The market tried to rally back and actually got above the opening range high. That was also featured in Inside the Numbers a number of times today, right out from the early morning notes. Once the market opened, we knew that was going to be an important area. They tested it a number of times. It was an important area. Speaking of Inside the Numbers, what I'm going to do is I'm just going to scroll through I'm going to let you pause the video. I'm going to let you read inside the numbers. I'm not going to read it to you. It's not necessary. But what I do want to mention is if you're trading intraday and you're not getting inside the numbers or have access to inside the numbers, you're leaving opportunity on the table. It's just that simple. I'm not going to say any more about it, but I'm going to show you the notes. I'm going to show you the numbers. I'm going to show you the trades. These are the pre-market notes. We go down to the bottom. That concludes the pre-market notes. Then we go back up and we start making notes right about when the market opens. We let them open up a little bit, get the lay of the land, and then we start making notes. We start assessing the market. We start providing where the numbers are, where the important numbers are. If they do this, look out for this. We'll scroll up a little more. We'll go back down to getting close to at least the mid-morning session. We also make note, we had a nice trade in JD. There were two trades that triggered today. I'll get to those in a moment. They were from Stocks on the Move. And moving along, we scroll up and so you can see more of the commentary. I'll just keep scrolling. You can pause it at will. We get into the mid-afternoon session and the rodeo begins and then into the end of the day. We all know they drilled them into the close. But what we did do is zero in on the opening range high. We noted earlier, and when you go back and read, you'll realize we noted earlier that there would be a little bit of short covering getting above the opening range high. That did occur, and then we saw the failure. Once we closed below, or they closed below the opening range high, that was basically the market's way of indicating, hey, we're not going in the northern direction. We're going the other way, and then they started going the other way, and we started calling it a failure. Here's stocks on the move list. We had two that triggered today out of a five list possibility. We had URI, and we had JD. The other three didn't hit their targets. We don't want the trades that don't hit their targets. We only want our price. We don't want to bother with somebody else's price. We did have a morning gap trade on the board, HA. Didn't trigger at our number, therefore, we didn't want the trade. It got close. It was a stock gapping higher at the open. We were looking for a short trade. It did get close, but it didn't happen. And then here's something else worth looking at, the important number list. We're going to look deeper at this as well. Check out the E-mini list on the left, and then the spider list is in the middle. And you'll notice down at the bottom, 2893, all the way up to 2926, that was basically the range of the day. 29.26 was about a point or so above the high end of the range for the day. But we're going to take a look at the futures chart in a moment. And we're going to see how the market acted or reacted at these important numbers. That'll tell us whether or not they are, in fact, important. Remember, we had two stocks from Stocks on the Move that hit their targets. The first one was JD. The stock was getting a haircut at the open. It closed the prior day, yesterday, 28.84. We had a simple trade out of it. It wasn't trading all down that much. 28 was the target. The stock came into 28, rallied off 28, 
and came back in. And you can see the importance of 28. They killed it into the close, but it doesn't matter. The trade was over early in the morning. We're looking for a nice, healthy trade off of our target. And guess what? Here's a market that's getting killed on the day. We're identifying a stock and a target, an important number. We make a positive trade as the market's going down. 28 was important to JD this morning. Doesn't matter what the market was doing at the time. Obviously, there's exceptions to that rule. If the Dow was down 1,000 points and the S&P was down 100 points, things would have been a little different. However, that wasn't the case. And again, it's the 80-20 rule. 80 or more percent of the time, the market is basically normal. It may be down, it may be up, but it's still trading within a normalcy. You can make plenty of money within a normalcy. You can make plenty of money outside the normalcy if you know what you're doing. Bottom line, you can make plenty of money if you know what you're doing. URI, not a tremendous trade, but it was a good trade nonetheless. You could see the importance of the target at 109.98. Stock was getting a haircut. We identified an important number, came into the important number, bantered around, took off to the upside. That's how day trading works. The same thing works for swing trading. You can identify the same price levels in swing trades. It just takes longer to work out. Everything that's taught in the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader works on any time frame. It doesn't matter whether it's an intraday trade off of an intraday chart or it's a swing trade off an hourly, daily, or weekly chart. I say this all the time. All charts act and react the same way. Speaking of which, here we go again. Here's the S&P E-Mini Futures contract. It's a five-minute chart. The horizontal lines correspond with the same price levels that you saw from inside the numbers in the important numbers section. 29.93, they got there at the end of the day, but it was listed as an important number. There was one down below, didn't need it. 29.98, you can see early in the day, that was a more important number than at the end of the day. We want the first hit. The first hit is the best hit. We don't necessarily want sloppy seconds. We talk about that all the time. The market rallies back up comes back down and you can see where 29.11 in this case it was probably 29.10 I was probably off by a point today on this one early in the morning then it comes back down goes back up and you can see it banter back and forth in between the important numbers look at 29.17 we shoot up there real quick back off pretty nice trade for anybody that took a short trade up there I wasn't around to do that I wish I was, didn't see it happen when it happened at the time. But what was the market doing? It went up to test the what? The opening range high. We talked about that inside the numbers ad nauseum. The rest of the day is self-explanatory. The point is, you can see the important numbers are in fact important. They produce trades without a shadow of a doubt. We got out of our lane. Let's get back to the hourly chart because I do want to make a point. Getting below the low from earlier in the day, that was a negative. Closing below that low, that's a negative. That's the market's way of indicating under normal garden variety market conditions that the destination is now somewhere south, not necessarily north. Now, of course, we can have a gap up in the morning. That takes that conversation off the table. But that's what we see into the close at the end of the day. It's not how they trade them all day long, but how they close them is of what's most important. And they closed poorly today, so that's the takeaway. Gap up, 
takes that away, but under normal garden variety conditions, how they closed them was poorly, they'll likely open them up poorly. That's the way the 80-20 rule works. Something else I want to bring up, I think this is important too, because we just discussed this, whether it was yesterday or a few days ago, I don't remember. You can only imagine what it's like inside my head, but here's the point. We talked about the fact that traders like to sell the break of a low. And then I said that that doesn't work way more than it does work. Well, here's a case in point. So say today, traders tried to sell a break of the low. So here's a low, and then the market came back down, and only by a few ticks or a few cents did it make a low. But what happens if you sold the break of the low? You got a pie in the face. Did traders try and sell the break of the low? Yes, they did. Why did the institutions break the low? Why did they force the market down below the previous low made earlier in the morning? That's where the liquidity is. What's liquidity? It's where the orders are. It's where the orders for stops are, meaning in this case, in this case, they're sell stops. They want to sell the market on a break of the low. Now, to be fair about it, you have to look at both sides of the stops, right? So there were stops down there from traders that bought the low or a retest of the low. The market rallied away. They're still in the trade. They have their stop below the low. What happens? Well, there's liquidity down there. The institutions come and pick it up, rally the market away. They're out of the trade. The market goes without them. Happens all the time. So both things happen. What's doing over in Camp IWM? Nothing really, it's the same routine as the SPY today. Basically, we were down 1.5% and the IWM was outpacing the spider the majority of the day. You'll go back to read the commentary right out of the chute. We were noting that all our favorite market leading indicators, IWM, transports, financials, were all down today. So that was, and they were down hard. So that was an early sign that until and unless they began to turn around or we saw something else to indicate to us higher prices or a stability in the market, nothing doing. And that turned out to be the case. So they remained weak all day. And the fact that we couldn't close an hour, and that was also noted in the commentary for Inside the Numbers, they couldn't close an hour above the opening range high. That was what we needed. That was what we said. Until and unless that happened, it was no dice. Is this going to hold down here? You have a bottom, you have another bottom, you have another bottom. Is this going to hold or is this going to finally break and we're going to see some sellers come out of the woodworks? Looks to me like the defense is pretty worn out at this point. What about down at the transportation department? Anything new down there? Same look, same routine. We don't really have anything different to explain than we just explained in the other charts. It's certainly possible, but I'm not necessarily betting that they defend this low again. That's not where I'm going to put my money. How about the Qs? We do have a slightly different look in the Qs, and we also can begin discussing again that trend line. Yesterday we closed on the trend line. Today, obviously, the market gaps down and we trade lower. The look at the end of the day is the same as the other charts. But that trend line, you can say, is meaningful. There's no way it's not meaningful. It's not my trend line. It's the market's trend line. The market drew the trend line. I just followed a connect the dots program. Which were the dots? Well, our first dot is all the way down here at the low. And the second dot is here. And the rest of it... The market just followed suit. You can see how we just followed this trend line on the way up 
And once the market broke below the trend line, we went back for a retest. And how you doing? That's all she wrote thus far. I do get some questions on this. I think it's worth addressing it. Here's a potential. I get questions. Is this a head and shoulders pattern? And I don't like it. But here's what the traders are looking at. And they want to say that because this broke and now we had a retest. So is this going to play out to the downside? And if so, where is the target? A, it could be a head and shoulders pattern. I don't like it because it's very steep. But that doesn't mean it won't play out. And where is the target on the downside? Traders that have taken the course at Lazy E-Mini Trader know exactly how to calculate the target. I'll give you a hint. It's not this low here. That's only if this was a head and shoulders pattern that actually did play out to textbook measurement. Anything new in the world of the financial stocks? Not really. They're down again without the financials. You know the market's not going anywhere on the upside. And if the financials are melting away and they were down 2% today, the XLF was, the market is going to follow suit under normal garden variety market conditions. Where have you heard that before? Right here. Why? Because it's true. What's the problem with the financials? Are the financials linked to China or is manufacturing and goods linked to China more so than the financials? Everything's linked to China at this part, but the financials, I have to say that they're really in the face of Repo Man. We always forget about Repo Man. Repo Man, and for those of you that may not know or have forgotten, Repo Man is where the Fed is conducting these repo operations where they're pumping liquidity into the market. Now, they didn't do this for fun, and they really didn't do this to pump up stock prices. They did this because there was a problem with the overnight lending rate. Now, did that problem go away? Did it disappear? Or did they temporarily brush it under the rug? And are the financials having trouble because Repo Man is still lurking? Well, let's look at it like this. Who knows how much money the Fed has pumped into the market? And whatever they have said or whatever people think, it's probably a different number. It doesn't really matter what the number is. Hundreds of billions, couple of hundred billion, who knows what it is? But here's the question. A repo is an overnight lending facility. So obviously overnight is out the window. So when does the facility end? When do the banks have to give the money back to the Fed? And what happens when they do? I know these have extended term limits. Some are a couple of weeks. Some are probably longer. I really don't know the particulars. But what happens when the Fed takes liquidity out of the market? Can they take liquidity out of the market? Aren't they lowering interest rates? and at the same time pumping additional liquidity into the market to fix whatever issue they had to fix. Just food for thought, just talking around things. We're throwing the ball around the horn. Figured I would fire up another conspiracy theory. Why not? If this stuff keeps me up at night, well, why shouldn't it keep you up too? SMH, anything new to report on the SMH? No, the SMH is now going to once again challenge the 50-period moving average. Now, how many times do you think it can beat on the 50-period moving average before giving up the ghost? Again, the bogey has to be the low from the other day, the low from the third. But until and unless that low is broken and the 50-period moving average, they can chop around here for a while in that proverbial chop shop formation. However, if they do give up that low from the other day, Look out below, it's the 100 period moving average or what we've identified is around 111 and a quarter, give or take. Now this video is a little long in the tooth. I know I blabbed on about this, that, and the other thing. 
And I'll probably get a series of complaints about the video not containing relevant content. It was too long, this, that, and the other thing. I get it. You're probably right, but it's my video and you get what you get and you don't get upset. Here's what's important. I appreciate each and every one of you. Without you, these videos are not possible. So therefore, I want to thank each and every one of you. I'm David Frost, my strategic forecast. Thanks for tuning in for another episode of Common Sense Market Analysis. My Strategic Forecast is hosted by David Frost. Subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast app. And please visit MyStrategicForecast.com for more information. My Strategic Forecast is Common Sense Market Analysis.